This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does, he scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and much more. Sets up Molino, back to Boldy, shoots, and scores! The BC Kid returns home and scores his first. Goes to work for the Wild, centers one, Erickson Eck with a shot, he scores! Jewel Erickson Eck, he's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bach. Hello and welcome in to the official start of the offseason of Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki here with you on Wednesday, June 29th, where the biggest news today was that the Minnesota Wild have a new team dog named Brooksy. No, the biggest news today, of course, is actually the Wild have traded. Kevin Fiala to the LA Kings in exchange for the 19th overall pick in the 2022 NHL entry draft, as well as Minnesota and Maple Grove native uh, Zeke Boyat, Maple Grove, uh, right defenseman for the Gophers, uh, Brock Faber. We will have our full analysis on all of that here in just a moment. But as we always do, got to check in with the boys, see how they're doing. So, Justin, we'll go to you first. How's it going tonight, my man? Good. I thought you were going to say that we uh, traded for Zeke Boyat for a second there, and I was going to be pumped as hell. But I like, uh, <laughs> Here, that guy's <laughs> really good. Yeah. Andre Vasilevsky <laughs> doppelganger. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> no, I'm I'm doing well. It's uh, my short work week, and then what what a way to kick off. I've been with the kids all day and trying to catch up with as much news about this as I could. It just kind of felt from the morning on that it was going to happen today or within the next day or two, but. Uh, yeah, you know yeah, when Elliot what, Friedman what start. starts feeling the Russo yeah. fires, that like, you're like, all right, something's up here. Yeah. But <laughs> it's been, right. been a good day. Absolutely. Overall. Zeke, what about you, man? No, no doing uh, doing great. Uh, went and shopped and got my new phone here today. It's just a new Ooh. Samsung. It's a pain in the ass because my old phone is a complete piece of junk that it was slow, and uh, I didn't think to charge it before I went to the store, so I had to sit there and wait 10 minutes for it to charge, and then it took forever to figure everything out so i was there while everything was going on um so it was just kind of annoying but you know i'm just happy that uh, bill garen was kind enough to do this you know four hours before the podcast uh, yeah and on the day not, we had planned Saturday, to record too Sunday. yeah on the day we had nice, planned to record nice so um bill garen heard we were talking about the off season he's like whoa 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 slow your roll I gotta make the show worth it here yeah exactly <laughs> so um yeah, I don't think not, no really significant prospect news, so we'll we'll skip that segment and we'll jump kind of right in. Um, as we mentioned off the top of the show, um, the Wild, you know, make the trade that felt inevitable. 
um, moving Kevin Fiala out. Um, I think the question that was all kind of circulating in everyone's minds was exactly, you know, where does he end up? I think, you know, we heard a lot of Ottawa. We heard a lot of New Jersey. Um, I don't think L.A. was mentioned as much in my head. um, That's where I wanted to trade Fiala, selfishly, because I wanted Arthur Kaliev, um, which didn't come to fruition. But, you know, I don't think Brock Faber is, you know, not a terrible alternative to that either. But, you know, L.A. not talked about as much, but I think – um, you know, we can maybe start this off doing something we don't typically do and maybe analyzing this trade from the Kings perspective a little bit. Um, I think knowing what we know about Fiala, he is an absolutely completely offensively dynamic player, a guy that will push play. You know, he finished the year 80, 33 goals, 85 points. Um, I think he was over, you know, on a hundred point pace once he got a real line mate, Matt Bully this year. Um, and my guess is he will immediately slot, slot into LA's top line alongside Andre Kopitar. And from a person who just likes Kevin Fiala, the player, I think that's got to be exciting for him. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy that, you know, has won Selkie trophies, who is still, you know, despite being past his prime, still a damn good center who can move the puck, who can pr- probably allow Kevin Fiala to kind of take those chances in the offensive zone because, you know, guys like Kopitar can cover up in the D zone. Um, I think the trade makes a ton of sense for LA. I think they were a team that surprised a lot of people coming into this year, um, ending up, I believe it ended up being the three seed, um, or was it the two in the Pacific? I think it was the three um, going into the playoffs, but I don't think a lot of team really even had them penciled in as a playoff team um, coming into the year. But Rob Blake, you know, who built a really deep prospect pool, um, moved out players at the right time, has brought in some good pieces recently in the likes of Victor Arvidsson. Um, among others, and they still have cap space and assets that they continue to build. So, you know, I think LA, a logical trade partner for all those reasons. Um, and then on the Wilds end, you know, they get, you know, a, a potential top four defensive prospect um, in Brock Faber, and then just another uh, bullet in the chamber for the draft for Judd Brackett and co., who we know any time Judd Brackett has extra picks, it's, it's good news for this team. Yeah. Well, I think – from just LA again. I mean, I know they've been seemingly have been. I know they got Arvidsson as I mentioned last summer. It seems like they've been looking for kind of a top line, top mm-hmm. six score like this for a few years now. Like that's kind of been something that Friedman has said in Thirty One Thoughts and all this for like a year now. That you know that the whole story basically goes that a couple of years ago, you know, guys like Dowdy, Kopitar, Quick, etc. Went, you know, hey, can we, you know, let's get this team back up again. Let's uh, you know, let's get back to trying to win. And uh, you know, that's. Obviously, what they're trying to do now, uh, like you said, made the playoffs, and uh, you know it's, it's not hard to imagine. Obviously, uh, Kevin Fiala doing really well uh, in Los Angeles, and uh, you know, I, I mean, it's a great fit. I mean, who wouldn't want to, uh, you know, get to go play hockey and live in California and get paid seven and a half, seven point eight million dollars a year? Uh, so, pretty yeah. good. From I think, and I think you know, some I so saw some people could maybe like, is that deal a little much? And it's. It's like, well, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. But I don't think it's ridiculous for a guy who's 25 coming off a career. So, Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think from the Kings side, like you mentioned, they get their high-end score. But uh, you mentioned he'll be playing with Kopitar, but I've seen that Kempe could possibly be his wing, and he just scored 35 goals this past yeah. season. So, yeah. A quiet 35 goal uh, season for Adrian Kempe. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's upgrading from uh, Goudreau as a center, not knocking Goudreau. But, uh, I mean, he's had a good wing in Boldy, but uh, – this this might push him to that hundred point mark, being you know top line and playing with those guys. I imagine he'll be on their power play and uh, really kind of a he gets every penny he's uh, kind of earned and uh, good on him. Yep, um, absolutely. He deserves it, and 
yeah, uh, I'm I'm pretty happy with the return too. The more I look into it, uh, like you mentioned, Judd Brackett gets another chamber uh, bullet in the chamber. A uh, couple first round picks, a couple set, second round picks this year, and and uh, the more I look into favor, the the more I'm excited about it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think overall it's a fairly even trade. Maybe the the Kings win it for now, but in the future, uh, we'll see where where it falls for us. Uh, we got a pretty good uh, return. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess it's the final piece. Like I, I think the other reason to me why LA always made a lot of sense, and if you kind of read between the lines of, of Russo, when Ottawa's kind of circulated around, he didn't really say directly that Fiala wouldn't re-sign in Ottawa, but he kind of hinted at, hey, Fiala wants to go to a big market. That's why areas like New Jersey, the New York Islanders, you know, out west in LA, Anaheim, those areas made sense. And I think, you know, for him and his now wife, I think the big city life is where they thrive. You know, a city like St. Paul, that's why something like that fit, like Nashville. I don't think he wanted to go to that smaller market. I think he likes the spotlight. He likes the pressure of and has the desire to be the best in, in a big market. And so um, a, a good a good situation for, for him and, and his wife. And, you know, who knows if a family comes along the way now with, you know, seven years of stability too. So much like Nino Niederreiter, you know, Mikhail Granlin, Jason Zucker, you know, we can love their time here and wish them all the best um, and what comes next. And I hope that fans will continue to respect and, and uh, you know, Kevin Fiala did what what he had what he could do right he he bet it on himself and it paid off for him and you got to tip his hat for that and thank him for for what he did do in Minnesota and cheer for him as well and selfishly for me yeah. the Kings are my third favorite team behind Minnesota and Carolina so it works out for me as well selfishly but uh, yeah I mean I think uh, yeah so it's kind of my final thoughts well, there from the LA side yeah I mean I just I mean I think you know Russo was on KF and he basically said that he was asking the Wild if they were going to extend him like eight nine million and. Just, that's just what it comes down to is that they just could not afford, mm-hmm. you know, to pay him at all. I mean, you know, unfortunately, because that's the unfortunate thing. Like, you know, the, obviously the return is not mind-blowing. Like, you didn't check your phone and you're not, you know, falling over in your chair, not able to stand up. And, you know, I know some people that might be disappointing because they think, you know, a guy has second-best season history, a team, um, you would think you get a lot from that. But as you mentioned, Brett, with, you know, some of the teams that were coming after him and, the, you know, the contract uh, that he eventually signed, obviously it was, that's the factor, uh, you know, whether he wants to play somewhere, you know, obviously everyone has kept using, you know, saying that uh, the lack of leverage that they kind of had in their situation where, you know, because everyone knows that they want had to deal him at some point this summer. So I think considering all that, uh, you know, I mean, it's not, it's still not amazing, but I think considering the situation they're in that, you know, fact that, as you mentioned, Brett, they got another, uh, another dart uh, for, you know, the scouting staff to throw and it just, needed stockpile and good young players like that and another obviously good young player who you know maybe he's not the most flashy kind of player in the world but i mean i know you know obviously he's, i think he's from what i've read he's a really great skater um but obviously doesn't have the numbers since i saw some people using some of those uh other like stat based models showing you know mm-hmm. he's like a 10 percent chance to be an nhler but uh, you know obviously and that model is you know, that model is made by um <clears throat> by byron bader yes. Um, which who, no shot against the model but no and, and it's not the greatest and, way but. and uh um yeah zeke like you said like it's pretty much based on your point production based on the yeah. league that you play in um it doesn't really have a way to measure the brock faber type of player right um you know the more <laughs> i've kind of read about him and and from what i have watched at him like and i mean this as a compliment to faber he almost is like a diet right-handed jonas brodeen right like a guy who That's isn't exactly gonna right. flash 
offensive skill necessarily, but a guy who is mobile, can skate well, and we've talked at nauseam on this podcast about the importance we think skating brings to the blue line. Um, a guy that it does play tough. He's not the biggest guy. I think he's like six foot one eighty five or something like that. So not a huge guy, but not a little guy by any means either. Um, probably about similar size to Dumba. Um, but a guy that plays tough, plays physical, moves the puck well, skates well, um, and really has the ability to kind of play that shutdown defense. So, um, and again, that big key, um, a right-handed shot. Um, and despite the Wild having a huge prospect pool of defensemen, um, he's now this the only the second right-handed defenseman now in that grouping um, alongside Kalen Addison, who we can maybe talk about in a minute here too, and what this trade potentially means for his future with the Wild as well. But yeah, I mean, I think the more I've looked into it, um, and Zeke, as you alluded to, um, and as Garen alluded to, I'll, I'll kind of read a quote um, directly. <clears throat> this is regarding Fiala and, and why the Wild didn't resign him. Um, it just didn't fit, Garen said. We've been down the negotiating road a couple times with Kevin already. Hey, look, he had a great year, and we and we knew we were just not going to be able to do it. We knew that. Fiala's team knew that. <clears throat> There's no sense in trying to screw around and fit this and fit that and give them a lowball deal. It's not going to work. We knew we were going to have to move them. Um, and then I think there's another quote somewhere along the way there. Um, <clears throat> just Garen saying, like, you know, we'd have to make three, four trades to make it work. And um, that was going to be something we probably would have talked about on today's show had the trade not happened um, is the complexity of, of re-signing Kevin Fiala. It wasn't as simple as moving money in, money out, because there's a lot of other dominoes would have had to fall to make it all work in the end. So... Um, we did poll kind of the fans on Twitter from Sound the Foghorn, um, just kind of ask your reactions, and I think the consensus fan reaction is the same as mine. Is it a little bit light for who Kevin Fiala is and the potential? Yes, but it's more or less in the realm of what we expected kind of given the circumstances, knowing the Wild were kind of in a, a bit of a lose-lose situation with, with teams knowing their scenario and not being able to re-sign him. But again, to still get a... Um, defenseman who scouts kind of across the board project as a top four defenseman um, and the 19th overall pick, which a reminder, the wild snag Jesper Wallstedt with the 20th overall pick last year. Um, and, you know, now with picks 19 and 24, a load of prospect pool, um, there's always the chance to move up in the draft to bundle a bunch of those assets together to make a splash in a trade. Um, just gives the wild tons of options with with tons of assets. Never bad, never a bad thing to have tons of young assets at your disposal, because um, there are teams that are always going to be willing to to trade things, um, to trade for those types of things. So yeah, I mean, if you guys don't mind, uh, I'd like to touch on what we're getting in Brock Faber a little bit. Go for it. Um, basically, like you said, another right shot defenseman, a great skater, as Zeke mentioned. Uh, he's a defender that'll suffocate the opposition. He's unafraid to jump in the rush, but is very responsible in his own zone. Uh, he was just named a captain of the golfers today, so he'll be going into his junior season as uh, one of the captains. Uh, according to Scott Wheeler, he was the King's seventh best prospect. He now slots into our pool as the fourth best prospect in between Lambos and Addison. Um, he, oh, uh, I can't talk. He was also named Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Um, First team, all Big Ten, so you kind of see what we're getting, uh, more of a kind of a defensive type player. Yeah, maybe the offensive numbers aren't there, but uh, like you said, uh, a diet Jonas Brody and uh, pretty pretty uh, good overall, I think. Yeah, definitely. Zeke, any uh, any thoughts to add regarding uh, your thoughts on, on Faber and kind of the general return um, that the Wild got for Kevin Fiala? 
Yeah, I mean, just, you know, obviously just kind of wrap it up. But again, like I think like you mentioned, I think one thing that I did think of was, you know, people that kind of use, you know, there are comparables with the kind of trades like this, you know, lot, you know, last year when uh, Sam Reinhart was traded from Buffalo to uh, Florida, it was, you know, a first round pick, I think like 13th to 14th and uh, Devin Levi, who's like a top 10 goalie prospect in the league. So, you know, maybe not exactly comparable, but I think, you know, what they did get, uh, you know, ultimately isn't very surprising. It kind of probably fits what, you know, we should expect. I mean, even Russo was saying several times, uh, you know, first round pick and a prospect. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, obviously, like you said, it's uh, good to fill that need uh, on the right side. And D, uh, you know, as, as many of us said, obviously not all those guys are going to play uh, like you mentioned, Brett. So, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's just obviously never, like you said, never a bad thing to have more assets and uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully Faber turns into a good player. It seems like he's probably just uh, will be back at the U for one more year and then probably in the AHL. But uh, it's, uh, you know, I think overall, I think it was a, I think it's a solid deal. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully it uh, gets better in the coming years. Yeah, definitely. A um, couple more notes. These are just from Scott Wheeler and straight out of that um, LA Kings prospect ranking article um, regarding Faber. The strength of Faber's game is his skating and the way he uses it. Um, only taking opportunities when they're available offensively, but playing tight gaps defensively. He's the prototype for the modern defenseman, combining feet and smarts to steer and control play without needing to be the guy that takes over a game. He's got the makings of a very effective three-zone, five-on-five player. Um, so again, to us and to you know my, my comparison, in, in the most complimentary of ways, kind of a diet right-handed Jonas Brodine. So... Um, I think, you know, the, the logical place to go next with this discussion is what does this mean not only for the, you know, the Wilds, you know, prospect pool, specifically speaking towards defensemen, but also to the current, the current group. Um, obviously, we have Dmitry Kulikov and Matt Dumba, um, who this past year were the kind of the two, uh, the two primary guys that played on the right side um, on those second and third pairs with Jared Spurgeon anchoring that first pair. Um, they're both exp- on expiring deals. There's already, you know, the rumors about in the wild potentially moving on from Kulikov have already kicked up a little bit. Matt Dumba has been on the trade block for the last five years and in, and in trade rumors. Um, and so now, you know, with, you know, if you go through the wild's current prospect pool, um, on defense, um, adding Faber, you have Kellen Addison, you have Brock Faber, you have Jack Pert, um, captain and, and member over at, uh, St. Cloud state, um, you have Ryan O'Rourke, you have Damon Hunt, you have Carson Lambos, and then, of course, they recently just signed Simon Johansson as well. So I think, if my math is correct, seven um, solid young defensemen who all have NHL upside, whether that's a top pairing, top four, top six, can for sure be debated, but all of them with NHL potential at the very least. Um, and with Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brodin essentially locked in for the next, you know, five, six, seven years, John Merrill just signed a three-year extension. Alex Goligoski just got a two-year extension. Um, you know, the reality is not all these guys are going to be able to play, especially at one time. So to me, it feels like some sort of other move is inevitable. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, which of those blue liners is on the move. You know, is this an accelerator for moving on from Dmitry Kulikov? Is it, you know, the for sure end of Matt Dumba? Um, just give me some of your guys' thoughts on some of these, you know, storylines that we can maybe now start to monitor um, with having brought in another right-handed defenseman into the prospect pool. Well, I think for me, 
the logjam of the NHL crew is pretty known. <clears throat> I think we see another move or two, which I kind of will touch on in a little bit what, what the moves may be in our opinions. But uh, I think we see more trades happen here, um, maybe hopefully before the draft or maybe even trade deadline. Um, I, I saw Garen mention Addison has a really good shot to make the team, so that makes the log team dog log, log jam even further. And then as far as like our prospects, I feel like that just we have so many guys now as prospects that gives us uh, many guys to possibly turn into stars that we need or, or players that can make the NHL roster because we all know not all of them will pan out like that, but uh, we seem to have a good crew that could turn out a few of them. Yeah. Zeke, your thoughts? Uh, I, I mean, I agree. I think – you know, obviously, Garrett today said that with you know with Kalen Addison, he thinks he has a great shot to make the roster, but it just doesn't seem that you know either something's changed or they have a concern with his discipline, penalties, or or there's something that they don't like. It just seems like obviously that maybe they're not super as high on him as they once were, and uh, you know I think it was again it was Russo who said today that it doesn't seem like they uh, maybe necessarily think that he's you know the dumber replacement i guess anymore as they might have thought of a year ago so you know that could be interesting i mean obviously like mentioned maybe that makes him a trade candidate if you were you know use him to you know bring in another player maybe to help in an offense of some kind or or some or or in in any kind of move but i think other than that i mean you know you 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 would think well then if they're going to do anything i I just guess i just don't think that dumba is going to be immediately going to where i mean obviously it could be wrong but just feels like that's maybe a guy they want to keep through at least the trade deadline next year and then, you know, see where we're at there. But I mean, overall, I just think it, uh, I mean, I just, I think it does, you know, overall, it, it does indicate uh, that Matt Dumb probably won't be here past, you know, at longest the end of next season, just yep. because, I mean, like we mentioned earlier, there's seven guys. And even when you say, you know, you can't obviously have them all play because guys like Brody and Spurgeon are there, but yeah, no, it's, it, it's obviously a, as you guys mentioned, obviously points toward a semi-significant change at some point in the next, you know, six to 12 months. Yeah, absolutely. Zeke, I'm right there with you. I think what this move to me really signifies is that in one way or another, um, especially kind of following this upcoming season, Matt Dumba's time in Minnesota is more than likely done. Um, I don't think they go out and trade for a right shot defenseman um, if they feel one, they're going to resign number or two, if they think Callan Addison's the top four solution, right? Um, we know we have those, you know, left-handed prospects. It sounds like they've liked Faber for a while and they went out and they made this move moving, which, you know, for probably the next three years is their most valuable trade asset, um, in Kevin Fiala to get this particular player. Right. So I, I think that's worth reading into, um, for sure. Um, my other gut tells me that probably one, maybe two of kind of those other, you know, six defense. And we talked about Addison, Pert, Aurora, Hunt, Lambos, Johansson. I, my gut says maybe one of those may possibly two is potentially moved um, and some other deal down the line in the next year or two as well. Um, Zeke, like you said, maybe that's to upgrade somewhere else or, you know, maybe it's to, is it, you know, maybe to trade up in a draft this year, next year, um, what have you to maybe go get. Um, another forward or something along those lines that can especially help you during um, the cap crunch. But the other advantage that I do see to having kind of this stack prospect pool, notably down the left side, 
um, is that now it, it feels like they're, you know, all of a sudden there's no reason necessarily, you know, push one of these guys, right? If, if one guy is ready, you know, he can be called up. Those other guys can continue to grow, develop, whether that's in juniors or in Iowa. Um, it, it gives you some flexibility to be a little bit more patient with some of these guys, figure out where their skills are, give them time to develop. Um, because one, you have the luxury of, you know, having a core right now of three or four guys, um, that are kind of stable on your blue line and then having some flexibility to maybe work a guy in here and there, try things in development camp, things like that. So um, overall, again, I, I'm generally happy with the trade. Um, I think it'll be a little bit easier to evaluate further once we see you know, what that 19th pick turns into, if it's used to move up, um, the type of player they get. You know, Maybe the Wild get lucky again and a player like Wallstedt falls down a draft board or something and they can swipe up, you know, a, a top 10 talent again. Um, so that'll obviously be the other piece to watch. And then, you know, we may look back on this in three years and be like, well, man, we got fleeced. Or you may be like, hey, you know what? This worked out really well for us. Worked out well for both teams, you know. Um, so, again, always hard to judge trades the day they happen. But I think at the surface, it met the expectations, I think, of what the majority of people thought. Um, and I think the Wild, can, all things considered, made out pretty well to get two pretty high-end assets for a very, very good player. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about regarding um, Fiala, the trade, the Kings, um, the implications of the trade, things like that? No, I guess the only thing that uh, puts a thought in my head is I, I feel like at the draft, we're more inclined to go to offense. Now they say best player available, but uh, I feel like we're going to be going a lot of offense after a draft last year that we saw a lot of D-men drafted. Mm-hmm. Agree completely. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you can't, you can't have 15 defensemen and two <laughs> forwards in your farm system. I mean, you could, but then again, I mean, like, I, like par- party winners are like, all right, they know they have all these problems. Maybe we shouldn't trade with them. I don't know, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I think the last thing I'll say on it is that, you know, I think there was, there was a little bit of discourse on Twitter about us. I don't have the exact quote pulled up in front of me, but um, it was basically Garen saying something along the lines of he didn't want to kind of drag this out, um, the Fiala trade, into the draft and have teams like bidding against each other. Um, and I think the more context I think of that quote, I think it was taken a little bit out of context, is that Garen didn't didn't want to sit around and have people kicking the tires and like, well, maybe we'll give you this guy. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, all these teams pull out last minute and then he's left taking, you know, a deal he doesn't really want to take, but is at the point where like, why well, don't have any other deals on the table? Um, so all of a sudden, you know, Rob Blake comes in, you know, guns a blazing straight up, no bullshitting around, said, hey, I'll give you, you know, this is what we want to do. We want this guy. Here's what we're offering, and I think Garen appreciated that that forwardness. It was a deal he felt was fair, and you know, why, why turn that down? You know, could you maybe have gotten something better, maybe? But I think at the same time, he also risks of, of getting something worse. So, um, not in my mind, not the worst idea to kind of take what you think is a fair deal. Um, we know Garen has said in the past he likes to make hockey trades. He's not trying to win trades. He's trying to make a good, sound deal for both teams, so he can continue to have those trading partners in the future. And um, I think the LA Kings are, are a team that are, are a good team to have in your good graces, given you know the strength of their prospect pool and and their team as well. So, absolutely. And I, another thing this does is it makes teams want to do business with you instead of them coming in and be like, oh, the t- last time they traded with us, they, they fleeced us and mm-hmm. dicked with us or uh, any of that jazz. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's setting himself up for success down the road in, in negotiations with trades too, I feel like. 
All right. Well, that'll do it for our uh, our Kevin Fiala, um, Brock Faber, 19th overall pick talk. Um, next week, Tuesday, we will be diving into kind of a draft preview. We've got a guest coming on for that. Um, so we'll take a look at maybe – we'll look probably specifically in that 19 to – you know, maybe that 15 to 25, 26, 27 range um, players projected in that area may talk maybe about a couple higher up in the draft board, maybe around the 10 spot, you know, when the event, the wild do trade up, we'll try to focus on some guys in that range, give you a preview of some names to look out for. Um, so tune in on Tuesday next week. Um, that should be recorded Tuesday night um, for the late, for night owls will be out around 10 o'clock. Um, otherwise for everyone else, it'll be out uh, Wednesday. I believe the draft, the first round is Thursday. Um, if I recall correctly off the top of my head. So you'll have a day, day and a half to uh, to tune into that and, and get a preview there. So um, won't waste any more time on that. We are going to transition into what was originally going to be kind of the meat and potatoes of this show, um, which was kind of an off-season checklist um, for the Wild um, slash, you know, let's put on our GM hats and talk about some theoretical moves um, that we may try to make if, if we were Bill Guerin. Um, this off season. So <laughs> I think the obvious move, um, which stole a lot of the content for this show was to trade Kevin Fiala. Um, I think we each all had scenarios and teams and players and picks that we were looking at for Fiala. So we can throw all that out the window now, um, and kind of look to the more practical moves, um, as we head into the off season here. So, um, just to kind of give a, a, a 400,000 foot view of, of where the wild are at, um, currently at Ford, they do have 12 forwards. Um, this is including Marco Rossi under contract. Um, that's Kirill Kaprizov, Ryan Hartman, Matt Zuccarello, Matt Boldy, Freddie Goudreau, Marco Rossi, Jordan Greenway, Jewel Eriksson-Eck, Marcus Foligno, Tyson Jost, Brandon Duhame, and the newly signed Connor Duar. Um, unrestricted free agents at the moment, Nick Bugstead, Nick Delorier, and then on the blue line, um, eight defensemen technically under contract, Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodine, Matt Dumba, Alex Goligoski, Dmitry Kulikov, John Merrill, and we're including Kellen Addison in this conversation as well. So I believe that's, that's seven, sorry. Um, and then Jake Middleton, a restricted free agent, Jordy Ben, an unrestricted free agent. And then Annette, Cam Talbot, signed for one more year. Mark andre Fleury is an unrestricted free agent. Um, all that said, um, the roster plus the buried cap hit of actively signed players – the Wild currently are at $62,367,500. Um, then you add to that $12,743,588 of dead cap. That means that the Wild going in now um, with the Dewar or the Dewar um, extension have six point or $6,588,912 to work with um, to essentially, um, I think most likely, figure out the goaltending situation, um, extend Jake Middleton, and then add some sort of 13th forward. Um, are kind of kind of the, the obvious moves left. Um, so I think we'll kind of work from the net out here because I think the next biggest move likely for the Wild will kind of come down to, you know, wh- what can they do in goal? What should they do in goal? Um, what options could they explore that are maybe a little more out there? Um, so, so let, let's start there and we can kind of work our way out. So, um, Zeke, I'll go to you first. So right now, Cam Talbot under contract, the alleged story we're getting from Bill Guerin is he'd like to bring back Marc-Andre Fleury. You never know if that's a smokescreen or not until it happens. Um, 
rumoring that if they were to bring back Flurry, it'd probably be a similar to Talbot number, which I think is like three, six, seven ish mm-hmm. annually. Um, so I just kind of will start there. Zeke, what are your thoughts on you know what the Wild should do in goal? Um, do you want to bring back Flurry? Do, do you see another option? Should they trade Talbot? Keep Flurry? Explore another option? Where are you at? I mean, personally, I'm kind of in the boat of, you know, I would like to be able to keep them both back here through next season. I mean, obviously, as you said, it depends. Uh, you know, it, it, there's not really been anything more controversial yet. There's, it's kind of, you know, some say you'll go to free agency and some say you won't and blah, 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 and all that. So that's a little bit uncertain. And, you know, even to be honest, I guess I just don't know. Even that $3.7 million, would that even be enough to get him to, you know, want to resign here if he could go to, like, a Toronto or even a Colorado or somewhere? You know, as it been mentioned, you know, it's just, it's just based off speculation. So I guess I'm not entirely confident that they are going to be able to resign him. But uh, personally, if it was me, I would bring back Fleury and Talbot, uh, you know, as kind of the tandem again. I think it, you know, provides stability, you know, both two guys who you think are capable of, you know, playing important <laughs> games and, playing a good amount of games, you know, which I think personally is a better option than keeping one, trading the other, and then signing like an 800,000 backup, like, you know, somebody who costs, you know, like a David Riddick or somebody like that, which, you know, I just, you know, I don't know. I just think it would be, you know, good stability and provides, uh, you know, two good options, you know, with next year uh, with some of the, uh, you know, turnover on their roster that could, you know, just bring some stability there. For sure. And then putting on your, your GM slash coach hat for a quick minute, um, in that situation where they bring back both goalies, what's your split look like for who starts, how many games you can go percentage, number of games, if it's not an even split, who you're giving the majority to? Um, or how are you kind of working through that situation with splitting up the games between Flurry and Talbot? Yeah, I mean, I think you know it, it could obviously depend on you know, how, how guys play and how guys perform and all that. I guess I just, it's going to be the boring answer, but I would just imagine it's pretty close to 50-50 again, like they had for most of this last month of the season. I just, you know, I think, you know, both of them obviously are kind of getting up there in age. Uh, you know, you don't want to overrun each of them. And uh, you think it just, uh, I think it works fresh. It doesn't, you know, keep one guy frustrated sitting on the bench for, you know, eight games in a row. Uh, you know, so I, I, I don't know. I think 50-50 split the starts just about is would be the way to go. All right, and Justin, your thoughts on kind of the goalie situation? Anything you would do differently? Do you agree? Uh, let's hear your thoughts. Honestly, I had the same move. <laughs> I had uh, Talbot and Flurry coming back. Uh, I did take a look at like the free agent goalies, and, like the top ones are Jack Campbell and Darcy Kemper. I feel like we wouldn't be able to afford guys like that. I mean, there's uh, like Pavel Francouz and. Halak and Grice, just none of them really jump Fr- out at me. So I believe Francis actually got extended by Colorado this year. Yep, okay. in season, I think. Yeah, that's right. But uh, anyways, like none of them really jump out at me. I, I feel like Flurry might be the best option of the bunch, and uh, <clears throat> no, I'll kind of answer the question that Jan's answered Zeke. I'd probably do like a sixty forty with Flurry. Um, like you said, they're both up there in age. You want to keep them kind of fresh. They're not what they once were, maybe, but I feel like they'd be a solid duo for us. Yeah. 
And I will say I think that route is probably the most likely. Um, but for the purpose of good hashtag content, um, I did want to bring, you know, maybe a, a potential move, um, something that might, you know, right, really shake things up a little bit more um, and, and just kind of explore maybe, you know, if there's another option out there, you know, outside of free agency for the wild and goal, potentially this is something they could look into. Um, in my head, this was a little bit more of a possibility when Kevin Fiala was still on the roster. Um, but for those that follow kind of hockey Twitter, hockey news, you may have seen kind of over the past two, three weeks or so um, that there's been some rumors circulating out of Anaheim that John Gibson um, wants out. Um, he is under contract through the year 26 or through the year 2027, so through the 26 27 season. Um, at $6.4 million. Um, I believe he's still pretty young um, or youngish in terms of, of goalie age. Um, it's 28. Yeah. So 28. So, um, and it's 2022 right now. So it'd be 33, um, when that contract expires. Um, so that's kind of the route I want to explore here. So obviously what does it cost to get him? Um, well, one, you're going to have to probably trade Cam Talbot one way or another, whether that's included in that deal um, or if it's another separate deal. Um, Anaheim, I think, is a team that is still sort of in a rebuild, I think. Um, so that's why I think, you know, the Wild, their potential trade partner in that sense, too, and that, you know, we just talked about they have seven blue line prospects. They have five picks in the first 56 picks this year. Um, I believe we still have all three picks in the first three rounds next year. Um, if I recall correctly, um, and still, you know, a handful of forward prospects, you know, the Adam Beckmans of the world too, that are, you know, maybe close to NHL ready, but there maybe isn't a clear path to a spot on this team for him. So, you know, maybe it's some package of, of prospects and picks. Maybe it's flurry and some of those additional pieces. Maybe it's a Tyson Jost or Dmitry Kulikov type player with some additional assets, um, to bring in John Gibson, um, now I think where people kind of wonder, okay, now you just talked about, you know, the cap crunch. So how does that work out? So 6.4 million, um, you obviously would still need a second goaltender. I think, you know, as much as I'm hesitant to bring in, you know, a cheaper backup in the event, you know, Gibson, who does have an injury history, um, were to get hurt. I think if you could bring in a backup around one to one and a half million, um, you know, a name just to kick around, maybe like someone like a Charlie Lindgren, um, who probably won't cost you too much, break the bank, um, split those goalies 70-30. Um, your cap, it would come in around $8 million, which would be, you know, maybe half a million to slightly over half a million more um, than what a Talbot Flurry tandem would cost you, and you would just maybe have to find a little bit of savings somewhere else. Maybe that's a Joe's trade, a Kulikov trade, what have you. Um, and to me, the reason why I like this move is is, a, is twofold. So one, John Gibson um, in the past has looked like one of the best goalies in the NHL when he's on his game. Um, I think, you know, the past couple of years that's dipped a little bit, but part of me wonders, you know, as Anaheim has continued to struggle, continued to suck, I think at times he felt he was the only thing holding that team afloat. And I think that can mentally kind of take a toll on you after a while where you're down, you know, drop your level of care. Like, well, for they're not going to score, why the, why the fuck should I try to keep stopping pucks, right? What's the point? So part of me thinks if he were to go to a market where he thinks he's got a chance to win, maybe that bounces back a little bit um, in that sense. So um, and the other thing that I like is with that contract through the 26-27 season, it gives you some stability and it gives you some time where you don't have to rush Jesper Wallstedt, right? Obviously, we want Wallstedt to be ready to go. 
um, ready to play. But, you know, maybe if he takes an extra year to get ready, maybe if there's a significant injury or something along the way, it stabilizes you in net with, with a solid goaltender. Um, and if Wallstead, you know, worst case, I don't even know if this is worst case, best case is ready in two to three years. Now you have a tandem um, that you can split. You probably still have Walsh on an entry level type deal or a cheaper deal where you can kind of alternate and have two really good goalies. So um, do you guys have any initial thoughts? I didn't prepare you a ton for this trade. I think that was kind of part of the fun of this episode was reacting on the fly to some of each other's moves. Um, either of you two have thoughts on, on this being a potential option for the wild. I mean, it's, uh, you know, obviously that's been, as you mentioned, that was been kind of news the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, with that speculation. I mean, it's, it's kind of intriguing because, as you mentioned, he did have three or four years where he was very good. And, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, the team in Anaheim hasn't been great. You know, he's dealt with injuries. But, you know, there's still been some games against the Wild and other games where I've watched where he still looks very good. And I just, and you look at his numbers and it's just, I don't know, I guess they're just kind of confused that, you know, why he's, you know, just, I mean, obviously, as you said, the team's not good. There's motivation factors, et cetera. But it's just kind of weird, uh, even when he's healthy, why he hasn't been able to get back to that level. Um, you know, I don't know. For me, it just seems a little bit maybe too risky and, you know, a little bit too unknown. But, uh, you know, I think it's obviously it's a definite splash. And, you know, for the reasons you mentioned, but could, uh, you know, if it did work, could work out really well for the next, you know, three, four years or whatnot. But uh, for me, I think it's just a little bit, uh, too much risk that I want to take on, but uh, you know, it, it's not the it's not the completely outlandish idea either. Yeah, I think definitely like if I were to kind of tee it up this way, I think Talbot Fleury is kind of the safe play, and Gibson mm-hmm. plus Lindgren or other you know league-ish minimum backup goalie is kind of the high risk, high reward type play. Yeah, Justin, any th- any uh, additional thoughts to add? <clears throat> I mean, it's definitely intriguing, and I feel like. Overall, we have a better defensive core to pay, play in front of Gibson, so maybe that helps him get back to that <clears throat> that form, having a, a better defense in front of him. Um, down the line, a Gibson-Wallstead tandem sounds pretty nice, as long as you know we'd be able to afford both. And, and you you realize that three years down the road, we're not going to be in this cap crunch, or the the Precy Suter contract should be like eight hundred thousand or something. So, I mean, off the top of my head, this is, is pretty intriguing, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So, just someone wanted to float around. I'm not around. very prepared for it, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Just someone to float around. Um, uh, it's for fun full to tra- think about. Yeah. For full transparency, this isn't something I've seen rumored anywhere. Um, it's something I purely pulled out of my ass as a theoretical for like, ah, John Gibson's available. I've always kind of liked him. What would that look like? Um, let's explore it. So that's the purpose of this podcast. So um, yeah. let us know I, um, as we discuss kind of these theoretical moves, if you like them, don't like them, things you do differently, because um, that always creates some fun discussions on on the Twitter sphere. The only thing I will say about the whole thing that isn't very intriguing is like a cheap backup. Like, see, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, if he gets hurt and we have this, rinky dinky backup for lack of better terms yeah and it's, it puts you know, us him in a bad spot or yeah. something that are yeah goalies, so. it kind of puts us yeah. in a tough spot yeah that's but. definitely you know the, part of the risk factor there um that'd be yeah. in play um all right well let's just continue to kind of move upwards on the depth chart let's go to the blue line next um you know as we touched on at the top you know seven defensemen currently under contract spurgeon burdeen demogalagasi kulikov merrill Addison, if you want to include him, um, but I think kind of the next big checklist item um, outside the goaltending is um, Jacob Middleton and his RFA status. 
Um, when we were doing the um, player grades, we did talk a little bit about Jacob Middleton, what a next contract could look like. Let's just rehash that a little bit in case, you know, someone missed that episode. Um, mm-hmm. If you did, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Fun show. We graded all the players. Um, go listen to that. Um, but Jake Middleton, uh, restricted free agent. So the Wild, you know, definitely have, you know, kind of the ball in their court with what they do with that. I think what we, the three of us kind of ultimately agreed on was something in kind of the three by two to two and a half million would be a deal we'd be comfortable with. Um, and obviously a deal like that, given our earlier conversations with no other moves made. Um, you know, let's, let's say in this scenario, they do sign flurry at three, seven, um, and they get, um, Middleton in at, at, you know, um, two, let's say 2 million. So 5.7 of your six and a half left is now gone. And those two mini, you have about 800,000 left. If you keep Addison on the roster, if not, you'd have about a million and a half left to fill out kind of that, um, that fourth line and with like a 13th forward. And has any, I guess, has anything changed in your mind since we kind of had that brief conversation? Is it still kind of in the same realm for you? I mean, for, for me, it's the same realm. I, I want Middleton around. I, I think he'd be solid with Spurgeon again. I'm comfortable giving him the, the two, two and a half, like you mentioned, and uh, may have to make moves to free up cap space, which I think they'll do, but I'm comfortable with doing that with Middleton. Yeah, no, uh, same. I think you know that, like you said, that uh, two and two and a half is still, um, you know, probably the range it'll be in. You know, like we mentioned in that show last week, uh, you know, terms a little bit, you know, unknown. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, no, I think that's probably a fair estimate. All right, especially for a top pair demon. <laughs> yeah, or at least a guy that'll play top minutes. Yeah. You know, I think there yeah. we can still debate in this market. You know, what is the real top right. pairing? Is it Spurgeon Middleton? Yes. Is it Brody yeah. Dumba? Um, I don't know. Debate. Right. I don't know. That's good. it's not not a bad thing to have two pairs no, that you're no. confident rolling out against any line. Um, no. so I think where the interesting thing comes to play, and we kind of alluded to this, um, talking about Fiala and the implications of adding Faber, um, specifically as it relates to kind of the right side of the blue line. You know, looking at Kalen Addison, Dmitry Kulikov, Matt Dumba, right? It feels like one, maybe two of those players either traded before this season in season it just feels to me for sure like well obviously you know Kulikov and Dumba at the end of this year you know don't have contracts anymore so there's a good chance they're gone either way um but you know there's potential there um for another move um I feel like that the wild could could look at making um the most likely still my gut um is Dmitry Kulikov being traded of course Mm, yeah no I like I mean, we've talked about that one obviously before. Uh, you know, it's two and a half another year, or so not not cheap even two point two five. Yeah, two point. Okay, yeah. So so yeah, no. I mean, it's there's really you know if you're trading for that guy, I mean, there's really no risk. I mean, obviously he's not some you know a top necessarily top four defenseman, and even despite as we said the playoff performance, he did have a mostly you know one of his better seasons in a while last year. So uh, you know you know if you you said if that was you know, free up cap space, that could be way to just get a little bit but uh yeah no i i guess not not really much to add there i mean i think you know that's just one that kind of been talked about for a few months now justin anything to add there i uh, know uh i think kulikai was going to be one of the ones to go uh, i do have a move that does involve dumba in my notes yeah we'll get to that um, in just a second yeah but uh in terms of uh kulikai i agree that i think he's going to be the one to go with you know 
like you guys mentioned, Merrill was extended, and, and most of these guys have longer contracts. Galgasi, a couple of years. Kulikov seems to be the odd man out uh, if you look at contracts wise. Yeah, yeah, that that's more or less where I'm at too. Um, you know, what should a return for Kulikov look like? For me, it's just whatever you can kind of get for him, I guess. Yeah. Right? Like if yeah. he's not kind of in your plans, um, I think most, I think on ninety percent of the teams in this league, he probably fits in one way or another on a third pairing. Like we talked about his numbers overall were solid last year, not spectacular, but they were NHL caliber, um, you know, two poor playoff games, but I don't think that should say what was a, a pretty good season, a very reasonable cap at, especially what you, we saw third pairing defensemen going for and for agency. So I'd have a tough time believing there's not some sort of market. I think in my mind, if they were to come out with like, even like a third round pick, um, maybe like in the 2022 draft, I think that would be a return I'd be pretty happy with. You know, a third, even maybe, you know, if it's a fourth, eh, not quite as good, but um, that's kind of what I'd be looking at. Maybe like a mid-ish round pick because um, you get that cap relief too, which allows you to maybe play around with a couple other areas a little bit more. Mm, yeah, no, I mean, so you're obviously looking to get really, you know, you're, you're, you want to get something, but obviously making that move is not necessarily for what you're getting, if you know what I mean. Right. Well, even with getting like maybe yes. like a fourth round pick, which is meh, you get an asset in cap space. So yep, absolutely. You really get two assets out of one trade. Yep, yep. And that, we know how valuable of an asset cap space is for this Minnesota Wild absolutely. team yes. uh, right now. All right. Well, let's get into the next fun theoretical conversation. And Justin, we'll let you kind of take the reins on this one and kind of um let's let you bring a a theoretical matt dumba trade um to light tell us what you got so i uh, i'll start with um i had this trade before i heard russo but i i heard him talk that dumba could possibly be moved too i mean i i don't think they'll be able to pay of be able to afford to pay him like six seven million dollars again uh, especially with this cap crunch not sure that's yeah, even, even worth that on his next right, deal given yeah. how his offense has dropped off right the offense the injuries the fact that we have a bunch of prospects in our system mm-hmm. now um anyways <clears throat> long story short I, I was searching the internet for like ufa stuff to try and come up with stuff and one scenario that i i kind of ran across and and piqued my interest is um buffalo they're looking for a partner for owen powers and and they seem to think that uh, a couple beat writers that work for buffalo one for the athletic one for another uh news source um kicked the tires on a story about dumba and they think that he'd fit the mold um i don't know what his worth is in a trade but buffalo does have three first round picks this year and their second round pick, and then next year they have their first round pick, a couple second rounders. Who is? Um, do you know off the top of your head which other picks besides their own they have in this year's draft? Is it earlier picks, later they picks? They have Vegas, and they have Florida. So they essentially have the nine pick, the sixteen, and the twenty-eight. Okay. My scenario is we get the Florida pick, and yep, their that's second round pick. That's to say the twenty-eight so really makes sense. Yep, twenty-eight and forty-one. Okay. That would give Bracket three first, three seconds to play with, Garen to play with, whatever they want to do with it, trades, trade up, draft a bunch of players, whatnot. It frees up $6 million in cap space, and then we can go ahead and sign a winger to play with Boldy and Rossi. 
Yeah, I, I think that's intriguing. I think, you know, this isn't really something I had heard was kind of in, in, in you know the rumor mill kind of until you brought it up. But I think to me what's interesting about this situation is that, you know, we talked about there not really being a market for Matt Dumba, right? But if this is a player that Buffalo has potentially gotten identified as someone that they want to put alongside Owen Power, um, for a guy that's probably going to be your franchise defenseman, I would assume that they'd want to get that done sooner rather than later. I would assume they don't want to try to get into a bidding war for Dumba and free agency. Um, you know, and as you alluded to there, you know, they have some picks in, in play. Um, is a first and a second rich for Dumba? Potentially. Um, but again, as we've talked about at length on this show, the Wild have other assets, right? Like they have picks they could potentially send back. You know, maybe mm-hmm. in this case, maybe it's a prospect, right? Hey, we'll give you Dumba, plus we'll throw, you know, a Damon Hunt your way too, right? Maybe someone for a third pairing down line. We'll, maybe we'll throw you an Adam Beckman, a guy that could maybe play in Buffalo's third line this year or next year, right? So maybe, maybe it's something like that where maybe you have to sweeten it a little bit. Um, but again, you know, you would, if it isn't that in your scenario, you get, you know, two draft picks back. And again, you get that asset, um, of freeing up 6 million in cap space, which, you know, now you have a a whole world of, of options. You know, now you have more money to extend Matt Boldy. You have, um, more money, like you mentioned to maybe go out and find, you know, a middle six winger to, to put with a Boldy and Rossi. Um, you know, maybe it opens up a door to maybe go find a center or something, right? So it definitely gives options, and um, it, it's one I like. And especially if there's interest in Buffalo, I think if you're Bill O'Garen, you absolutely gotta kind of kind of poke your head in there and see um, what that potential return could look like, um, and then kind of debate. You know, is it worth it to pull the trigger now or maybe wait and see? You know, what could I get from the deadline? But again. Um, as we talked about kind of the Fiala deal, you run the risk of maybe you don't get as good of a deal as you thought. You know, if, you know, maybe Dumba gets hurt, doesn't play. Um, all of a sudden, you're left with basically getting nothing for him. So definitely something interesting yeah. to ponder. Yeah, and, and I do want to add one thing. <clears throat> I feel like the 28th pick and the 41st is basically two seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first and a second, but essentially almost two seconds. Devontae's got that return. Is he Devontae's? He's not, but if Buffalo wants him bad well, enough for that position, Well, Lou Lamarillo got they, fleeced in that trade. Yeah, all right. Analytics yeah. Twitter couldn't believe that yeah. Joe Sackick pulled that off when it happened. And yeah. All right. Yeah. But uh, if they want him bad enough, maybe they go ahead and, and do it. Just a theoretical thing mm-hmm. I, I th- can throw out there. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard. Like, you know, as we've talked about before, you just hard to know where. Dumba's value is that, or you know, how much interest in there? I mean, uh, you know, it's. I guess it's. Yeah, I mean, you know, it'd obviously be part of a, seemingly would be part of a larger plan strategy with the rest of the roster. But uh, I mean, to be honest, if you could even, as you just mentioned, just if you got a couple sec- seconds, I honestly would be okay with that. Even, at, you know, at worst, something like that, because I mean, it's just more uncertain for me. Like, it's kind of why I just it's just hard to. Because it feels like if you could get that, that he'd have been traded by now. But then again, so, maybe they weren't trying to trade him. So let me pose this theoretical, and I think this is kind of a lot of where the you know can can slash should the wild trade Dumba. You know, mm-hmm. Zeke, for you, because I'm curious, and we can kind of each talk about in your mind, given what you know about Dumba, what he can be at at his best, and what he can be at at his worst. What's the return you would feel comfortable with? Maybe not necessarily from Buffalo, but just in general. Say all 32 teams are willing to give up this thing to get Dumba. What would it need to be for you to be like, yep, okay, I feel like that's a fair deal? I mean, yeah, it's 
for me, I guess it's sort of fair. I mean, like I just said, uh, you know, honestly, I think, and maybe not. I think I'm kind of on the just side. I think if you could get, you know, a late first of some kind or like two seconds or something. I mean, I don't know. I, again, I, I honestly would be. Like I, said, I think I'd be comfortable with two seconds for me personally if you could get that. Justin, let's say Buffalo came back with you, um, countered with you know. Not the twentieth, maybe it's forty-one and the uh, twenty twenty-three second. Do you take that deal, or are you not budging? I think I'd be <clears throat> comfortable with that. You still get uh, a higher round pick, and um, like I said, that one, that first round is essentially a second. So uh, I don't know how strong the draft is next year, but it just just gives us more assets, and, and I, yeah, I'd feel comfortable with two seconds overall, whether it be this year, next year, both this year. Um, I just feel like Buffalo is a bad enough team where it could end up being a higher second round pick. Fair point. Yeah, I think for me the absolute lowest I'd go would be a second and a third. Um, mm-hmm. I think the way I look at it is there is the upside when he plays, right? But I think the question mm-hmm. is, you know, we saw this year he missed like it was almost 30 games, which in an 82 game season that's you know that's nearly half your season, right? So yeah. you know, uh, you know, looking at over a third of the games where you don't have. You know, in Buffalo's case, your top pairing partner for your franchise defenseman, right? Um, but at the same time, too, I think there is value in, in freeing up six million in cap space um, and knowing that you're going to have that free to work with going in the off season. So I think that's the lowest I'd go. So I think I think a second round pick plus another asset, whether that's from the first round or the third round, would be intriguing. I think obviously a first feels like a win. Second probably feels fair. Third, you probably have a little bit of that Fiala feeling of, well, you know, it maybe isn't what I wanted, but given the situation, it's not the worst thing, right? So that, that's kind of how where I would view yeah. it. You guys right. in agreement there for the most part? Yep, and I, I do forget sometimes, even though I said it with the Kulov, Kulikov trade, that, that cap space is an asset. Sometimes mm-hmm. I forget that that $6 yeah. million is an asset yep. too, so essentially sure. you're gaining three things in the trade. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think uh, it's... Again, obviously, you're not going to get too much, but uh, no, I mean, I got nothing else to add. I think we cut it pretty well. All right. Well, then let's move on from the blue line. I guess the other piece of note we could ad- uh, address here briefly is Jordy Penn, but um, do you guys, would um, you bring him back? Do you eight years, no him move. Back? <laughs> I have no uh, 800K motivation to bring him back. Yeah, <laughs> There's other players that can fill that role. Yeah, I don't think the Wild are looking at bringing him back. Um, nope. either and this is going to be really random um, but I did just remember um, the one thing we didn't talk about with Fiala um, was he did get extended um, right away when he was traded to LA um, the details of that extension um, from what I can tell per cap friendly a seven year 7.875 million dollar deal um, that includes a full no move clause in years two through four and a limited no-trade clause in years five through seven. Um, if you're wondering why the two through four, um, that one more year of RFA eligibility, you can't have no movement clauses, um, which is why he didn't get that one through four. But pretty hefty um, in kind of those incentives or those bonuses in that contract as well. So a um, little extra tidbit there. You know, <laughs> probably would have been some hard for the Wild this yeah. time regardless, but we talked about that. But that just popped in my head that we didn't talk about that. So throwing it in in the random spot of the podcast before we talk next about the wild forward group. This is the area that feels a little more solidified. Um, We talked about it right now. They do have 12 forwards under contract. 
Um, in theory, they have four lines. Um, I think the the question is if they came back with this group of twelve. Um, you know, where does Jost play? Where does Goudreau play? Is who's on the fourth line? Who's with Boldy and Rossi to start? It's probably Goudreau. I think the fans would hope that it'd be Jost. Um, do you guys have any any thoughts there on, on how you would construct things if if no other moves are made up front? Um, and assuming they brought in, you know, maybe they bring back a Nick Delory or some other guy that's kind of the thirteenth forward that plays in and out. But assuming this is the core group of twelve, um, how would you go about? you know, constructing your lines, mo- mainly speaking to um, Goudreau and Jost. I think personally I'd like to see what Jost can do on that second line. You know, I think with the right opportunity, he beco- can uh, um, elevate his game. It, it, he seemed to do it in a couple games towards the end of the season there. And um, I think we all know it's probably going to be Goudreau because Dean loves Goudreau. But <clears throat> with Fiala not in the mix, maybe he's more inclined to try – like a just up there or something. Yeah. Zeke, any, yeah. any thoughts there? It's, I mean, I think I'm, you know, I agree with you just, I think it's hard to, you know, spend a lot of time, you know, putting a Jost or somebody else, just because obviously, as you mentioned, everybody knows how much he loves and loves Freddie Goudreau. And, you know, he's, it seemed, you know, I mean, long leash isn't very weird, but he does a very long leash of where, you know, he'll get that opportunity to play higher there. But I mean, I think I agree with you that could, be intriguing maybe if he's there with you know with boldy and rossi or something like that to uh mix some skill but you know i mean you could i think brett you mentioned this before you could also if you did that uh you know freddie goudreau could probably be a pretty good fourth line center for you there be a great uh, fourth line center like a fourth line of duhame Dewar, and goudreau like i love that like guys that are mobile you have the one guy who can go in his bang a body around we talked about connor Dewar, Mm -hmm. like averaged over a hit per game like not afraid to shy away um you get two great defensive players in Dewar and Goudreau like the fourth line's job isn't to go out there and score goal in my mind it's not their job is not to go out there and score goals it's to yeah. one not get scored on and two be able just to establish a forecheck you don't have to necessarily go down there and have a bunch of scoring chances but hey if you can forecheck a little bit get the puck deep spend 45 seconds and get off the ice that's a win and to me it feels like that group of three would have the potential to do that where, like, Tyson Jost, I feel like, could he do that same thing on that line? Sure, but I feel like he's better suited to be in that more offensive role with a Matt Boldy, with a Marco Rossi. Um, I think the other player at play here, but I don't think it happens right away, is, you know, maybe it's Rossi up with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. Hartman maybe slides down that line like a Boldy-Jost-Hartman line could be interesting. Um, a Boldy-Goudreau, you know, whatever type of line, you know, fit there, but... I think for me, it's just like, why would you trade for Tyson Jost, actively talk about his offensive upside, and never give him a chance to prove it? Um, And if that is the case, and I think that kind of leads us to maybe the next possible trade, and that is Tyson Jost. Um, You gave up kind of a bottom six forward in Nico Sturm. Um, So what what do you get back in return? Is it, you know, is it kind of that Dmitry Kulikov, like, hey, you're trying to maybe stash a a mid-round pick? Do you maybe try to find a forward, you know, maybe more similar to Nico Sturm, someone that maybe plays a little bit more of that bottom six type role? Um, do you maybe just free him up? And, you know, if, if you know if you trade him, if you trade Kulikov, if you trade Dumba, now you've cleared a whole bunch of cap to go out and sign a guy. Um, I guess I'll, I'll tee it up this way. Um, give me a percentage of confidence 
that the Wild trade or don't trade um, Tyson Jost? I guess for me, I would say, uh, you know, I would probably put it at uh, 80% confidence that they don't trade him. Uh, I mean, certainly possible. I guess they just, I guess just my gut feeling uh, that I think, I think he's fairly safely can bet that he'll be on this team uh, next year for at least the start of it. Justin? I'm, uh, <clears throat> before I answer this, uh, I'm trying to find what's left on his contract. He's, I believe I it's just one more year at $2 million. Yeah, it is. He's got yep two million dollars left for this year. Uh, I feel like he's gonna be on the roster, like sixty or seventy percent confident. Um, I, I can see him possibly being like a trade deadline type move, but I, I think he'll start off on the roster. Okay. Yeah, to me, I'm gonna go forty percent chance he mm-hmm. gets traded. Um, I think if they. You know, if if they can identify, you know, a piece or maybe, you know, if it's a, you know, if there's a John Gibson type move or maybe Flurry comes in a little bit closer to $4 million or something. Um, if maybe Jacob Middleton plays a little bit of hardball, maybe drives his price up to that two and a half, three million $3 million range. Um, he, he's a tradable asset. I think in a lot of the, th- I think a lot of the things we said about Dmitry Kulikov um, could be applied to Jost in that, like, this is clearly an NHL player. He's a guy that would have a role probably on most teams. Um, and I think that the teams would be willing to take him. It's just a matter of weighing, you know, if a team offered a fifth round pick, you'd probably be like, no, that's not worth it for mm-hmm. what we think he could bring. But if maybe someone sweetens that to like a third, then you're like, all right, maybe that's worth it for us. Um, so I think that's definitely a storyline to watch. Um, it seems more or less written on the wall, especially given how he was utilized down the stretch. Um, that Nick Bugstead, one of the two UFAs, will likely not be back next year, will likely take his services somewhere else. Wish him all the best. Um, I believe he got a pretty decent grade from, I think we gave him like a B minus um, mm-hmm. or something like that in our player grades. We're, we're impressed with what he brought in his limited role this year. So that would bring us to kind of the final player of this four group, and that's Nick Delorier. Um, you know, a, a player I think that, you know, it was kind of a 50 50 split on fans. I think there's a large portion of them that absolutely love the guy want to bring him back and then there's the fans more like myself or like i really don't care if they bring him back or not i'd prefer they didn't um because to me you should build a, a team that you want to succeed in the playoffs and to me he's just not a guy that is that can play playoff hockey um and that helps you in that sense so why what why waste again that valuable cap space on on you know something that could be put to someone else yeah i mean i'm not totally against it if you mean back but the more I've thought about, the more I'm just kind of, you know, just, you know, don't, I mean, it's not that I'm, you know, outwardly against it, but I'm just really, you know, I don't. It doesn't move the needle for me reason. one way or the yeah. other, right? No, it doesn't. He doesn't, I mean, he can do stuff. He can punch guys in the face. He can, <laughs> as obviously a great guy, but I mean, as, every, as, as everyone has talked about, not just for the wild, but just for hockey, that's, you know, not really a role anymore, at least significantly. And you know, like you mentioned, Brett, why? Even if it's not a lot, why waste? Or maybe not necessarily waste, but why take up, you know, as you said, another million bucks of your space when that could go elsewhere? It just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem, it just seems like that there's better options for pretty much, no offense to him, there's pretty much anybody seems like a better option than him. No offense, but everyone's better than you. <laughs> no well, offense, not, but not, I'm, no, I'm just giving you a hard time. I just, yeah. yeah, you got it. Like, <laughs> 
like to me and, like uh, jacob middleton brandon duhane marcus Flino, no, they I can guess. all fight like that <laughs> yeah they can all do the yeah. one thing that delory does well like and to me, it's like they to me, they fought way more than they needed to last year. Like, I don't have the stats, but like to me, it, it like it never really felt like a fight really swayed the game. To me, it felt like more often than not that when the wild fought, it seemed to actually more derail them than anything. Um, it seemed to give other teams momentum versus to give them momentum. So um, I'm not a huge proponent of fighting, especially after like clean hits. You know, if someone goes after a star player whatever i get it but have your fourth liner do him go in and do that like he doesn't have to kick the guy's butt he just has to make him respond right it's not about knocking the guy's teeth out just about saying hey don't do that right that that's how i view it anyway which is why to me like the the enforcer role just doesn't seem that important to me personally i kind of like that type of game in certain moments Mm -hmm. um i like you mentioned, I feel like we guys have guys that could already do that. We got Felino. If we resign Middleton, he can do that. Duhame at times can do that. And and then I also think about if we're matched up against Colorado, there's no way in hell he's keeping up. Right. Like, like, even yeah, even Reagan, St. Louis season, he'll have his roles against to a speed certain team, teams. Right? But yeah, yeah, I mean he can keep up with certain teams, but Colorado, if you want to be beat a team like Colorado, you're not gonna have uh, a bunch of Nick Delores on your team. I, I just I think we can go elsewhere and fill that position with another player. Yeah, or maybe you know, maybe it's just one of the guys they have. It's a Mitchell Chafee or a yeah. or a Mason Shaw, or maybe it is a Joseph Cramarosa type. Like those guys to me aren't all that different um, than Delorier and that you know, no. guys like Chafee, Shaw. They can move, they can skate, they can play a fourth line role. Are they fighters? Yeah. Maybe not, but they don't have to be. So. Right. Um, I think there's internal options to fill the role of 13th forward um, that you already have under contract for essentially league minimums, you know, two, $300,000 less. And that's two, $300,000 you could use to pay Jake Middleton, to pay Marc-Andre Fleury to use elsewhere. So to me, it's just the opportunity cost of, of that extra couple million bucks just doesn't seem worth it to me for, for a pretty, in my mind, replaceable player, more or less. And I obviously I know too, he's a good culture guy, locker room guy, blah, 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 but. That's, you know, yeah, that doesn't agree. All right. Well, I think that more or less kind of wraps up, um, you know, kind of the off season checklist. Um, you know, I think to, to highlight, um, establish who your second goaltender is one way or another, whether it's flurry, um, whether it's completely overhauling it and going to Gibson in a backup route, um, finding a backup for Talbot, um, you know, exploring what the trade market looks like for the guys like Tyson Jost, Matt Dumba, Dmitry Kulikov. Um, I think one thing we didn't hit on a ton was establishing what the future looks like for Kalen Addison. Um, and then if, you know, I think the final piece would be if you trade Tyson Jost, are you going out and bringing in a forward and then figuring out your 13th forward? So nothing like, I don't think major now that Fiala is traded, um, but certainly some dominoes that could still fall. Um, one thing we didn't do on this show and it was intentional, we didn't really speculate too much on free agents. Um, I kind of want to wait and see how the draft plays out, see if anything else happens Mm -hmm. there. Um, and then kind of following the draft, we can maybe briefly talk about, you know, any potential free agents that might, you know, fit, um, once we kind of see what things look like after the draft, but I didn't want to over speculate there because it's, we don't know if, if anything else is in the Mm -hmm. works yet. So, um, all that said, um, any kind of final thoughts regarding Fiala, Faber, 
um, kind of the off-season checklist for Bill Guerin here as he heads into the draft. Um, anything else you guys want to hit on here? Um, <clears throat> I guess with my final thoughts is uh, we kind of we all knew this was coming. We all knew, mm-hmm. you know, this was kind of the return we we're going to get. Uh, I'm going to be sad to not see him play in a while uniform because he's electric at times. Um, sad for my kids because in the driveway, one of us is Kaprizov, one of us is Fiala. I guess one of us is gonna have to be Boldy now, which is or Rossi. more than sufficient. Or Rossi, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, there's options, <laughs> but I'm happy that he's earning his keep. It's just too bad it couldn't be here, but you know, that's that's kind of how the NHL goes at times, yeah. Zeke, final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, not much more uh, different. It's, you know, just obviously, like like everyone knows, it's, uh, you know, right and smack dab in the middle of uh, one of the best times here if you're a hockey fan. Obviously, you know, for us in this podcast, specifically Justin next week, with draft and all that is, is a great time of year. Just get to, to dig into that. So, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, obviously just enjoy the next couple of weeks because, like, basically after that, then it goes dark for, like, a month and a half. Yeah. Seriously, it's uh, like draft yeah, regency term. and then just so, for the next like yeah, month and so. a half. <laughs> Enjoy all this news and everything, all this uh, activity while it happens. I mean, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's not another overhyped year right around the draft. Those two days where you know there's articles the day before saying there's 15 things going to happen and then they trade like future considerations, but it should be a yeah, just basically it should just be interesting to see like what we talked in this podcast. There's bunch of different ways that uh you know wild could go here the next couple of weeks so for sure i'm actually i'm super pumped for the draft stuff like mm-hmm. super pumped <laughs> oh yeah yeah every and time then, of year yeah and then my final thought not to get too far ahead of ourselves because we do have a second episode coming your way tomorrow um we'll double feature this week and it will be our annual sound the foghorn award show um tons of different awards being handed out um, MVP, goalie of the year, goal of the year, most improved player, um, best hype man, best veteran player. Um, lots of cool awards that we leave solely up the division to the decision of wild fans. We'll weigh in with who we voted for and why um, mm-hmm. as kind of discussion points. But ultimately, um, these awards go out to, to the players that the fans vote for. Um, so if you go to the Sound the Foghorn Twitter page, there is a pinned thread um, with a link to go vote, um, those polls will be open until 6 p.m. on Thursday, June 30th, um, which will give us about two hours to prepare final thoughts um, before we reveal those results. And then they will be um, released on the podcast about 10, 10.30 p.m. Thursday night. Um, obviously, for those of you um, Friday heading into the holiday weekend, you can queue it up on the way up to the cabin or um, as you get off of work or what have you. So I um, encourage you to go vote on that. Additionally, um, for the goal of the year, there's I think there's like 10 or 12 goals to vote on. There's a thread um, of all those, too. Just, um, even if you don't want to vote, if you just want to go and, and reminisce on some of the cool goal moments um, um, from this year. So as of now, the tightest two races, I won't reveal the candidates that are in the mix, um, but the two tightest races at the moment um, are goal of the year. Um, there's two goals that are kind of neck and neck there. And then also the best newcomer. Um, has been really, really tight kind of since since voting started. So, um, isn't the uh, Skula Award pretty tight too? It's it, it could be. I mean, it's it's uh, it's Jordy Ben or Jordy Ben for that one. So, um. <laughs> wonder who's going to be the guy next year. 
Yeah, it's because it's gonna have gonna to be sign. someone. It's gonna have to that be poor guy's gonna get voted as the least. If it's neither, I'm just I'm just gonna put like Drew Doughty or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like whoever Some injures, people. like someone will injure one of our players. It'll be uh, they'll, they'll be they'll be someone there. Whether or not it's a wild oh, yeah. player, we'll figure it out. There always is. Um, but yeah, it always seems like there is. Uh, maybe no, I'm not gonna say. It. I don't want to go to that hole yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so please, if you haven't already, um, go vote. If you have voted and you have friends that are wild fans, share it with them. It literally takes yes. no more than two three minutes to fill that out really quick. Um, only thing that it needs is a Google address. Um, we don't, we're not collecting that to email you or spam you. We just, it's just to verify that you only voted once. If you have multiple Google accounts, I suppose you could, you could vote twice. Um, all the power to you for taking the time to do that, I guess. But <laughs> please share that, retweet it if you can. Um, results coming for that tomorrow, and then as I alluded to, next week we will have a draft preview episode. We'll record on Tuesday night. That'll be out Tuesday night, um, Wednesday, and Thursday as you get into the draft. Um, a draft recap show. Um, we're still solidifying the date for that, but it'll be sometime Sunday, Monday, or Wednesday following um, the NHL draft. So still tons of fun stuff coming your way these next couple weeks. Um, we're really excited for it. So keep it tuned to Sound the Foghorn um, for all that good stuff. Um, but that's going to pretty much wrap up this show. Um, another long one for you, but I think uh, topics people always enjoy, so never a bad thing to to go a little bit longer than we like to. So, um, Justin, why don't you uh, wrap things up here by reminding where everyone can find you and all of your work? You can find me at DEs2004. You can find me at CapriceOfC with CapriceOf Countdown. You can, and you can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. Uh, make sure to follow that page. We're going to be putting out our top prospects that we like at the position we'll be drafting both defensemen and forwards. So uh, that should be coming out uh, within the next week or so. Excellent. Zeke, what about you? Yeah, no, as usual, uh, if you want to, you know, uh, my Twitter handle is, uh, you can find me at Zeke Blatt on Twitter with the capital Z and capital B, you know, just uh, you know, see what I'm up to, find the links to the show and, uh, and all the bots on hockey and all that. You can, uh, you can find me there. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well at Sound the Foghorn all one word, Sound the Foghorn Award Show tomorrow. Um, voting open until tomorrow at 6 p.m. Um, that link is pinned on our Twitter page, so please vote and do so. Um, the, and the results recorded tomorrow. So until tomorrow, this has been another episode of...